0: Recently, the world was shocked and stunned by the courtroom testimony of a young man by the name of Brant John. And there's a photo, Olivia, you can go ahead and skip to that photo. How many of you saw this video of this young man forgiving the police officer who mistakenly shot his brother, Botham? Um, Botham was Brant's brother, and somehow this police officer thought she was going into her apartment, but actually she was going into an apartment just a floor above hers, and she thought it was her own apartment that she was going into, and she mistakenly shot uh, Brant's brother Botham, thinking that he was an intruder. Now, this should have just been a case of mistaken, you know, a terrible tragedy, mistaken identity, but of course it didn't help that this police officer had had a history of making uh, ethnically insensitive comments about her minority coworkers and other things and, of, and so of course race and prejudice got mixed into this case and it became very uh, much uh, emotionally charged and certainly a lot of protesting was done in and around it but this photo and the video around this young man forgiving uh, Amber Geiger the police officer who shot uh, Brant's, Brant's brother um, is truly um, I've probably watched this now 10 times. And it's just incredible to see the freedom and the love and the compassion that Brant has for the lady who killed his brother. And there's just something powerful about seeing love and grace and compassion, mercy and forgiveness in true display and in true action. And so... The reality is, is what we're talking about today is so important to our practical life. So many times in church, we talk about theological issues and truths, which sometimes don't necessarily seem to connect. I think they all do, but sometimes we struggle with making the connection to our practical everyday life. And so today we see that only the gospel offers the kind of hope for forgiveness and reconciliation in the most broken of our relationships. We see how forgiveness was offered to Amber. We see how hopefully one day there will even be reconciliation. And we're going to talk about the difference in this short series between what is forgiveness and what is reconciliation. And we're going to see how the book of Philemon uh, brings forth both of those needed aspects of the gospel really touching the human relationships of our lives. And so today, we begin this short study in the book of Philemon, which presents to us the same theme. And what we're going to see is the theme is this. If we're truly God's people who've experienced his eternal forgiveness, then we are called to extend forgiveness to those who have wronged us. And so this is what we're going to be looking at today. But just to uh, start off, uh, the the title of this sermon is uh, From Fugitive to Forgiven. And so we're learning today about a guy by the name of Onesimus, who was a runaway slave of Philemon. Now, what we're going to say today really does speak even to us today, because there's still discussion around the issue of slavery even today. And let me just start off by saying this. We're not going to really dig into this this week. We're going to look at it a little bit more next week. But... Um, The issue of slavery in the first century was a little different than what slavery was like in the 17 and 1800s here in America. Um, It wasn't as racially divided um, in uh, in, in, in the first century as it was in the 17 and 1800s. Many people went into slavery because they were indebted to someone. And so in order to pay those debts off, they would go into Servitude, and actually, that's the same thing we have today. We just don't realize it. It sounds a lot more sophisticated, but if we're in debt over our head, we're 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 slaves as well. The borrower is servant to the lender, and so we're not going to touch upon a lot of that this week. But I want you to see today that um, this story really does hit us where we live, and and it addresses the issue of forgiveness and reconciliation. And there's three main characters in this story. You might want to just jot these down. There's Paul who's writing the letter. There's Philemon, who the letter is titled uh, about. So Philemon's going to be receiving this letter. And then there's Onesimus, and he's the one who has run away, who Paul is now sending back to Philemon with this letter. And Paul is seeking to see this human relationship between Philemon and Onesimus restored and reconciled. And so with all that said, let me throw up a map here for just a moment and give you a little introductory material behind this book. The letter to Philemon was written during Paul's first imprisonment while he was in Rome on house arrest. We're going to read some verses here at the very end of the book of Acts before we read Philemon. The word prisoner is going to come up often in this short book in verses 1, 3, 7, 13, 22, and 23. Uh, This book is part of the prison epistles of Paul's writings. This book was written at the same time as books like Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians were written. The year when Paul wrote this is about 60 to 61 AD. Nero is the emperor of Rome, and the young church is about in its third decade. The the church of Jesus Christ is about in its third decade, so it's still a very young movement. And what Paul is going to do is write this letter to Philemon, who is the leader of a church in Colossae, And what most scholars believe is that Paul had led Philemon to the Lord while he spent two years in Ephesus. And so Ephesus was where Paul uh, most likely met Philemon, led him to Christ, discipled him. And now Paul is writing a letter back to his friend, his brother in Christ, one who he had invested um, much time into to see him grow in his relationship with the Lord. And Onesimus somehow... Runs into Paul all the way in Rome And if you look at the map here You might not be able to see it too clearly But if you see the, the area of Lycia There just under the seven churches of Asia Colossae was right there Just above the word Lycia And just to the south and east of Laodicea And so this is where Onesimus The runaway slave The fugitive In fact in that culture If you were a runaway slave And you got caught They branded an F on your forehead Which stood for the Greek word Fugitismos which, or excuse me, f- f- Fugititas, all right? I can't talk Greek. Anyway, Pastor Don can help us out. He has a Greek last name. F- Fugititas, thus, thus from wh- which we get the word fugitive. And so Onesimus had run away from Colossae all the way up to Rome. And you see where the boot is, Italy. And Rome is right up there at the very top. In fact, look with me at Acts chapter 28, verses 30 and 31. Look at these verses. It says, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house, And received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. So Paul is under house arrest in Rome for two years, but even in the midst of his imprisonment on house arrest, he had an open door of opportunity to minister the gospel. And this is where somehow, in some way, and and we're going to look at a lot of lessons and implications from this short book, but one of the lessons is, is that God was providentially working in the life of onesimus to somehow run into paul up in rome when he had ran away all the way from colossi and so you see the providence of god in this story but you also see the free will of man in this story because ultimately it was up to philemon whether he was going to forgive onesimus whether he was going to be reconciled to onesimus and so you see this play between the providence of god working in somehow connecting paul and onesimus all the way up in rome And we don't know all the details of how that uh, interaction came about. But now we see Onesimus going back to his former master. And we don't even know ultimately why Onesimus ran away. We would gather from verse 18 that he robbed Philemon, his master. And so because of that, he had run away. And in this culture, if you were a runaway thief slave, the sentence for that was death. And so you can imagine Onesimus and and all that's going on here. Of course, Paul leads Onesimus to Jesus and Onesimus gets saved, amen? Which tells us that the grace of God is even for runaway slaves, amen? It's for murderers, Paul was one, amen? The grace of God changes everything. It forgives us of all that we've ever done or will do and it transforms us at the core of our being. And so Onesimus somehow runs into Paul. Paul gives him the gospel. He gets saved, and I think in Onesimus' heart and mind, he was wanting, he thought about his past. As As he got saved, he thought about his past and the things that he had done, and he was like, ooh, that's a severed and broken relationship. But now, Paul, what you're saying is, is I'm a brother of Christ to Philemon. I need to go make things right with Philemon so we see all this playing out. So let's read the story here, shall we? I've, I've kind of told you the story, but let's read it. Verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, and to Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Apphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. Hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother." Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ To enjoin thee that which is necessary or convenient Yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee Being such an one as Paul the aged And now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ I beseech thee for my son Onesimus Whom I have begotten in my bonds Which in time past was to thee unprofitable But now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, thine mine own heart, my own bowels, just as you would receive me, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefits should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season." ...that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a beloved brother. specially to me, but how much more to thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he has wronged thee or oweth thee anything ought, put that on my account i paul have written it with mine own hand i will repay it albeit i do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides basically paul saying hey philemon look at all that you've been forgiven of look at how you were transformed can you give onesimus a chance to show that he's been transformed that's basically what paul's saying there verse 20 Yea, brother Let me have joy of thee in the Lord, refresh my bowels, my deep affections, my heart in the Lord, having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But withal, prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. Therefore salute Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers the grace of our lord jesus christ be with your spirit amen and amen and all god's people said amen may He bless the reading of his word father i pray you bless our short time as we look at this powerful story this story that really speaks to our lives relationally every single day of our life and father may we grow in our understanding and application of what it means to forgive how to forgive And then also what reconciliation is and how they go together, but they are separate things. And so, Father, help us to find freedom through the truth of your word. Be our teacher this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. The main theme that we see here this morning in the book of Philemon, and it really is captured in verse 19. And so we'll come back and hit it again at the end of our sermon. And that is this, if we've truly been forgiven and reconciled to God by Christ Jesus then we will seek to forgive and be reconciled to those who have sinned against us. What is this basically saying? It's saying that forgiven people forgive others. And forgiven people seek to be reconciled to others. Now, again, forgiveness and reconciliation, two things, but powerfully connected. And I think you'll see that today, that Paul was making a case for forgiveness, but even more so, He was making a case and appealing to Philemon to be reconciled to Onesimus. And again, we're going to get more in depth in that next week and the differences between the two and why it's so important for these things to be clear, because there are some people who do not understand that there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. How many of you have ever had somebody wrong you multiple times the same way? Don't look at your spouse. How many of you have ever had someone wrong you multiple times the same way? We all have. And what happens is, is that person who's offended us will come and say, I'm sorry, do you forgive me? And sometimes people use forgiveness as a weapon to only abuse you further in the future. Now, what they don't understand is there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. We're going to touch that next week. But I want you to see these two things being played out. And I think as we study the text here this morning and draw application, we'll see that. So verse 1, first of all, we're going to see here in the first seven verses that Paul gives praise to Philemon as he opens this personal letter. And can I just say this about this book? so many of the books of the new testament are written to large of groups of individuals to churches to the church of ephesus was the book of ephesians written to the church of uh, to, uh, to the church of philippi was the book of philippians written and so those books while they can be personal to us this book is personal it's written to an individual and to his house and so this book i love the fact that god included this in his inspired writings because this really does say you know what The gospel is personal Yes, it's corporate Yes, it's about churches and the large organization of the church But ultimately, it's personal And so we see that Paul starts out here with praise for Philemon Notice verse 1 Paul says that he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ And I love this This stuck out to me Because what Paul's saying here is He wasn't a victim of his circumstances Notice he didn't say, "I'm I'm a prisoner of Rome I'm a prisoner of Nero Poor pity me No, it's almost as if Paul took joy in the fact that he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. In fact, he said this not only once, he would come back and say it again um, uh, with the use of the word fellow prisoner or prisoner on down in the text. And so Paul says here he's a prisoner, but notice he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul refused to characterize his circumstances in life as bad luck or his fate. No, Paul understood that his life was hidden with Christ and God, and there were circumstances in his life that were driven and guided by God. So while Paul was on house arrest, I mean, how many of you would have a good attitude if you were in prison? <laughs> I mean, I've been in prisons. I've ministered to people in prisons, and rare do you find people who are like, I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's so incredible when you see that. There's a young lady who, who I've told you about, Brandy uh, Lovett, who is now back here in Decatur, has, has seen a powerful transformation of the gospel in her life. I can't wait for you to meet her, 1st uh, of December. And, and, and she'll be here, and you'll get to meet her, and you'll see how she wasn't a victim of her circumstances. She didn't blame everybody else. She knew that God had a plan in her life, even in the midst of her own uh, uh, bad choices and sin and God was working incredibly. And so we see Paul here is the same way. He was, a, he was the Lord's prisoner, and he was a prisoner of the, of the gospel. Keep reading there. He says here that Philemon is, is a dearly beloved brother and a fellow laborer. Do you see that? Philemon is dearly beloved and a fellow laborer. Paul knew Philemon personally. As I told you, Paul had led Philemon to Jesus years, years before. They had a history, and that's important. Because what we're going to talk about at the end of the sermon today is Some of us need to be like Paul in this story And seek to reconcile two brothers or two sisters or people in Christ who are at odds And notice that Paul was able to do this because he had a history with Philemon He had a relational connection, therefore he could speak this direct truth into his life And sometimes we get that backwards We want to be the teacher. We want to be the counselor. We want to speak truth into people's life, but we haven't earned the relational respect to say that. And so notice that Paul says here, you're a dearly beloved brother. You're a fellow laborer. So Paul and Philemon had history. Paul isn't just offering empty flattery to Philemon either. I don't think Paul's saying these words just to butter up Philemon because of the hard truth he's about to have to confront Philemon about, saying, Philemon, you need to forgive and be reconciled to Onesimus. I don't think Paul's just speaking empty words here. I think he's really sincere in his praise and his thankfulness for Philemon. Verse 2. Verse 2, it says, And to our beloved Apphia and Archippus, most scholars believe that this is, uh, th- th- this is, this is Philemon's wife and son. What's interesting is Archippus becomes a pastor of the church of Colossae later on down the road. And so uh, Paul's writing here, again, a very personal letter, a very personal letter. And he says here to the church that is in Philemon's house So Philemon was an early church leader Verse 3 Grace to you and peace from God our Father And the Lord Jesus Christ Grace Grace is the means by which we can experience peace with God This was Paul's common greeting But these were not throwaway filler words for Paul They were very intentional They were very powerful For it's the foundation of these words Grace and peace That would give direction to this entire letter Do you see it? if Philemon had really received the grace of God and he has really experienced the peace of God, well, then he'll be able to be at peace with his brother in Christ now, Onesimus. He'll be able to give grace to Onesimus. He'll be able to have peace with a brother in Christ now. And so it's through, how do you find peace? It's through grace when we realize how much we've truly been released of and forgiven of, then how can we hold a wrong and demand payment from another? Verse four, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. Paul prayed. Paul didn't just pray for people who were currently in his life. From, from, from this verse, what we learn is Paul was, had been praying for Philemon ever since he had been apart from him. He was, he was a regular part of Paul's prayer list. And so he says, Philemon, I've been praying for you, even though we're far apart. We don't have Facebook. We don't have cell phones, all right? We have the snail mail, the really snail mail. But Philemon, we've got something better than snail mail. I've been praying for you. And so Paul prayed. Paul made it a point to pray for those in the faith, for those in his life, for those who were in his past. Verse 5, hearing of thy love and faith. So Paul says here, Philemon, I hear about your love and faith. I hear about what God is doing through your house church there in Colossae, which thou hast toward, and notice that Philemon has love and faith toward two things, the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. So Philemon had a love that was evidenced to Jesus Christ and to others. This was a man who loved God and loved others. But what Paul was gonna confront Philemon about was the need to also love people that Philemon might not really like right now because that person had wronged Philemon. And so Paul says here, Philemon, I know you're a man who loves God and loves others. You have a love that is upward to Christ, a love that is outward to others. And so the reality of that is is that our love is not just some theological truth in our head, but it's a tangible truth that is seen in our hearts toward our brothers and sisters on earth in real relationship. Then he says, The sharing of your faith, he says here that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you by Christ Jesus. What is Paul saying here? He's saying, listen, I know you're sharing your faith. You're seeing the church grow, and I'm praying that you continue to be effective in that. I've taught you well. You have acknowledged those teachings, Philemon, verse 7, for we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. I love old English. The word bowels here. Now, you might say, that sounds weird. Well, have you ever heard somebody say, I hate their guts? That's a holdover uh, uh, on the opposite side, obviously. Uh, we don't say, I love their guts today. We just say, I hate their guts. But, but the Greeks thought that love emanated from the internal organs, and it was the deep seed of powerful affection. And so what God is saying here is, is that Paul, uh, Paul is saying to Philemon, I hear that you have this great affection of the saints, and, you're, and they are refreshed by thee, brother. So Paul is sparing no time here to, to encourage Philemon and to show Philemon that, listen, Philemon, God's doing a great work through you. God is using you. All right, so we see the praise for Philemon. But number two, I want you to see here in this story, the plea that Paul gives to Philemon, verses 8 through 17. First, I first want you to see the basis of the plea that, God, that, that Paul is about to make to Philemon. Verse 8. Wherefore, so it says, here's why I'm writing <laughs> though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee, to command thee that which is necessary or required. So Paul's saying, I'm about to tell you something, Philemon, and I could use apostolic rank here. I could say, do this because I am your elder and I'm in an authority. Uh, for lack of a better word, I'm your pastor So you need to do what I'm about to tell you Because this is law Okay So the word enjoined there is the Greek word epitaso It means to order or to demand compliance And so what Paul is saying is Is that Philemon, I could use my authority To demand your obedience, o- obedience In this area But Paul does not plead Notice this, Paul does not plead On the basis of authority or law But on the basis of love Paul makes his plea for what he's about to write about Onesimus, the runaway slave. So Paul doesn't say, I'm gonna make you do this because I'm over you. He says, I'm gonna plead with you to do this on the basis of love. And I love what Warren Wiersbe says about this. I didn't put this quote on the screen, but listen to this. Warren Wiersbe says in, in commentary on this verse, for one thing, it would not help Philemon to grow in grace or gain a real blessing from the experience if he was just told to do it. Law is a much weaker motivation than love. And Paul wanted Philemon to broaden his spiritual understanding and maturity. And so that's why he says in verse nine, yet for love's sake, I rather plead to thee, beseech thee. Such an one is Paul the aged, who is now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So do you see this? Paul is making a plea to Timothy, not on the basis of law, or apostolic rank. He's saying he's saying Philemon. I might have said Timothy a second ago. Philemon, there's so many pastors that Paul wrote to. Philemon, I want you to do this because it's the loving thing to do because you understand the gospel. Because the gospel has so impacted you. I hope that you'll for love's sake forgive your brother and be reconciled to your brother. For love's sake, What's Paul saying here? Paul's saying that love should be the chief motivating force in the decision-making process of our lives. Do the loving thing, Philemon. Philemon, you've got the freedom. And I I love that too. Paul's, Paul's saying here, Philemon, you've got a legitimate choice here. You're not just some puppet on a string, although there is providence at work in this story. You can't deny it. But Paul's saying... You've got the choice here. Will you do this for love's sake? I don't need to pull rank. I don't need to use my apostolic authority. Law can't motivate you ultimately like love can. So Paul is appealing to Philemon on the basis of three things here in this verse: the basis of love, the basis of age. Why do you think that Paul said, such an one as Paul the Aged? I kind of was like, hmm, I wonder what that's about. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying, Philemon, I've been around long enough to see that your lack of forgiveness and uh, and not being reconciled to a brother is only ultimately going to hurt you. It's only going to bring more gray hairs to you. And so Paul is saying, yes, he's aged, and yes, he could even use his eldership. Um, That's an interesting word for age. It's the Greek word presbytes, which specifically spoke to somebody aged 53 through 63. So if you're aged 53 through 63 in here, congratulations, you are aged. I hope that's encouragement to you. Um, so he's he's appealing to Philemon on the basis of love on the basis of age and on the basis of his incarceration for the Lord Jesus Christ what I think he might be saying by that is Philemon if anybody has the right to carry a grudge it's me I mean I'm in prison but again I'm a prisoner of who? not of Nero not of Rome Not of whoever turned them in and ratted on them. I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you hear the freedom in those words for Paul? He was on house arrest, locked up, but he was never more free than anybody else who's ever lived outside of house arrest. He was free. Oh, that we would catch that. And so this is the basis of Paul's plea for forgiveness and reconciliation between these two men is love, love, age, incarceration, but primarily love. Notice number two, the substance of Paul's plea here to Philemon, verses 10 through 17. He says in verse 10, So I plead, I beseech thee for my son, Onesimus? You mean Onesimus has gotten saved? Whom I have begotten in my bonds. Basically what Paul is saying is, Philemon, your runaway slave has been born again. He's become a child of the king, no longer a slave, but now a son of the living God. Paul knew that God saves sinners, even people who were seen as unprofitable. Notice verse 11. He says, yes, Philemon, I realize that a runaway slave isn't profitable for you, especially one who's probably robbed you and done other things to harm you, stolen from you. But notice who makes people profitable Jesus Christ And here's what's so cool about the name Onesimus Do you know what the name Onesimus means? Useful So literally only Jesus can bring true meaning to a name And so Jesus has now transformed Onesimus And made him useful in the body of Christ Ultimately Paul's going to say here in a few verses He's really useful to me back here in Rome on house arrest Will you send him back? Useful And so the substance of the plea is Paul's going to ask that Onesimus, uh, that that Philemon forgive Onesimus and be reconciled to him. And so this is an encouragement because what Paul's saying here is that Onesimus, that runaway, unprofitable to society slave, the throwaway, who wouldn't even pass a background check, even those God saved. And so you might be like Onesimus this morning. You might be running. You might be running away from your past, running away from things that you're currently doing. And here's the good news of the gospel. Just as hard as you're running away, God's running after you. He is hawking you down. He's pursuing you. And he'll go all the way across the known world Put that map back up there for a second Olivia, she's doing some major work this morning You have no idea, she's been skipping all around Because I've gone crazy today But you can see, he ran all the way to the other side of the known world He's like, I'm going to get away from my master I'm going to run You can't outrun the grace of God God found Onesimus in Rome And transformed his life And so you might be here today and say, I'm useless, I'm unprofitable. Don't you miss verse 11 because it's the truth of God speaking to your heart this morning. You've been made useful to the king of kings and lord of lords. There is no sin that you've done that disqualifies you from becoming a beloved son of God, a part of God's family. Onesimus. So he says here, Onesimus is useful. Paul's making the point that yes, a runaway employee servant is useless in the fact that you cannot trust them. They've wronged you, they've stolen from you, but Christ changes lives. Verse 12. So Paul says, Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him. That is mine own bowels. This word receive is so powerful. It's more than just taking him back. The Greek word here means more than just taking him back. But what it means, this word literally means to judge appropriately. And to judge appropriately in light of what? In light of the truth of the gospel that Paul is rehearsing to Philemon here in this story. So he's saying to Philemon, Philemon, you're going to receive him based on how you judge the gospel speaking to this relationship. That's important. We're going to look at that again next week. I think even Paul alludes to a passage in the gospels here later on. And we're going to see that. But so receive. Receive, don't reject him. In light of the gospel that's changed Onesimus, Philemon, receive him, not as a returning servant, but as a new brother in Christ. This is what will boggle the mind of the world looking on. So he says Onesimus has been born again. Onesimus, I believe, I believe Onesimus was ready to face his past and make restitution. He was repentant. We're going to talk about repentance next week and how that is so important to the process of reconciliation. And so I think both of those, forgiveness, reconciliation, important, and repentance is right there in the midst of all that. And we're going to see that next week. And so Onesimus has been born again. He's ready to face his past and make restitution, verses 12 through 14. Onesimus is a changed man, verses 15 and 16. Onesimus can be received and trusted just as Paul would be received and trusted. Look at verse 17. We don't have time to look at all these verses, but we're going to come back to a couple of them. But look at verse 17. If thou count me, therefore, a partner receive him as myself wow you know what paul's saying there philemon just as you could trust me you can trust your runaway slave now he has a new nature he's new at the core of his being he's been transformed i've been discipling him and so philemon you can receive and trust him just as you would me what a picture of paul as a mediator here And how he's trying to work in this relationship that is clearly severed. Clearly there's been a wrong. And Paul is seeking to help two brothers now seek forgiveness and reconciliation. But look back at verses 13 and 14 because I don't think what Paul's doing is... Paul's not seeking to manipulate Philemon. He's not trying to threaten Philemon. But rather, again, he appeals to Philemon on the basis of love that can only be motivated and produced through the gospel of grace, which brings peace. He says in verse 13 and 14, "...whom I would have retained with thee, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as if it were of necessity, but willingly." Again, Paul saying, Philemon, the ball's in your court. I hope you'll make the right choice I'm not trying to twist your arm I'm not going to use my apostolic authority For the love of the gospel For your understanding of the gospel Receive, judge rightly Your new brother in Christ So why did Onesimus run away? Again, we don't know all the details But look at verse 15 Why did Onesimus run away? For perhaps he therefore departed For a season That thou shouldest receive him forever wow do you see what paul is saying he's saying i get that onesimus hurt you deeply but that was for a season philemon look at who he now is that he is now a brother forever and you're going to be at odds with him philemon will you forgive him will you be reconciled to him Will you receive him? That's what that word receive. There's so much truth packed into that word. And Paul reiterates it again in verse 17. He says receive in verse 12. He says receive again in verse 17 with even a little bit more weight to it. He's saying receive him as you would your own family. Receive him as you would me. And so we don't know all the reasons why Philemon ran away. We can guess from verse 18 that he had robbed Philemon, Onesimus, we don't know why Onesimus ran away, again um, But perhaps He therefore departed, do you see the providence of God In that, verse 15, I do You can't deny it, that that Yes, Philemon in his own free will Choices robbed Onesimus robbed Philemon Y'all just gonna have to go back and edit it Onesimus robbed Philemon And Onesimus in his own free will choices ran away But God was pursuing Onesimus Praise the Lord. And so then Paul makes this plea to Philemon to forgive Onesimus. Thirdly, Paul makes a pledge to Philemon, verses 18 through 21. He says here, if he's wronged thee, I don't think this is an if as if, perhaps. No, since he's wronged thee, um, if he's wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on my account. Now, what I want you to notice about this is forgiveness doesn't come without a cost. Do you see Paul standing in the place of Christ here, being a personal representation of Jesus? Do you know what Paul's saying? He's saying, I don't even know how much Onesimus took from you, Philemon. Place it on my account. And you know what that is? That's the doctrine of imputation right there. The great doctrine of imputation where Paul says, take all the sin, all the debt that Onesimus has done against you, Philemon, and I'll cover the cost. I'll pay the debt. Of course, in the great doctrine of imputation, it's not just that Christ pays the debt for all of our sins, but there's another imputation back towards us where, yes, all of our sins are placed on Christ's account and he pays for them through his perfect finished work, but then through Christ's resurrection, in Romans 4 and 5, tell us, teach us this truth, through his resurrection, Christ is raised for our justification, which means he imputes his righteous history on our account wow. And so Paul here is saying, put it on my account. I'll pay his debt. Whatever he's done to harm you, I'll financially cover that. Now, you might think, maybe, maybe Philemon read that and like, okay, you're in prison, Paul. You're never going to be able to pay off that debt. Actually, he gets released. Um, From what we can gather If you put the history uh, right here Because look up in verse 22 Paul's like prepare me a lodging place For I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you And so verse 22 Paul knows. Paul ultimately does get out And from what we can gather he, he, He most likely pays off this debt But here's the reality What Paul's saying here is that Someone pays the debt For our forgiveness Grace is not cheap It costs Christ dearly He placed all of our sins upon his account. And Paul here is really showing by example what Christ does in our forgiveness and reconciliation to God. And so this is the pledge that Paul makes. And he says, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides. Ooh, what's Paul saying there? He's saying, Philemon, you know, I'll pay this but I also want you to see how much you've had paid off. I want you to see how much debt you've been forgiven of, both maybe maybe literally, but also I think what Paul's getting at here is spiritually. And I think Paul's alluding to a powerful parable in Matthew 18, verses uh, 21 through 35 that we'll look at next week, the parable of the unforgiving servant. And so he's basically saying here that, Philemon, if you've been forgiven and reconciled to God, then shouldn't you forgive and be reconciled to others? Now, forgiveness. Again, we're going to talk next week about the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness can happen all all from our perspective. Reconciliation definitely takes two. And it takes repentance, genuine repentance in the midst of that. And I think you'll see that next week. But what is the overall lesson of Philemon here? Well, it's there in verse 19. Paul says here the lesson is simple. Philemon, if you've been forgiven of much, can you not forgive others of much? Verse 20, Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord, having confidence in thy obedience. I love that. Paul believed the best about Philemon, and he believed that Philemon would respond right. Right? And so what are some of the applications here? What's the lesson of Philemon? Well, first of all, I want you to see this in the lesson of Philemon. Go ahead. Yeah, there you go. Um, These three people, all right, the three characters, Paul, Onesimus, and Philemon. Who do you most identify with today, right now? Maybe you're Paul. Maybe you know of a disagreement between brothers and sisters in Christ And there has been a severing of a relationship. There's been a wrong committed. There needs to be both forgiveness and reconciliation. And perhaps God is calling upon you today to be like Paul in this story. To write that email. To set up that meeting. To be the one who says, you know what? For love's sake and the sake of the gospel, forgive and be reconciled. Again, forgiveness, reconciliation, we'll talk about it next week. I hope you'll be back for that message. But perhaps some of you today need to be like Paul and have the boldness to do that. Number two, some of y'all might be like Onesimus today, maybe many of us. We're running from our past. We're running from the sins and the addictions and the things that enslave us. We are runaway slaves in that sense. But what I want you to see today is the grace of God is chasing you down. He loves you too much. You might run to the other side of the world. You might think, oh, my answer is to run away to the other side of the world and get a new life and get it all new. No. God will keep on pursuing you. Just like he pursued the prodigal into the far country. Just like he pursues Onesimus. Just like he pursued Paul on the road to Damascus. God comes looking for us, praise God. Even when we're hiding over in the bushes out of fear and shame and guilt, God says, where are you? He knows where we're at and he's coming to get us and to put coats of skins upon us to give us his righteousness. Many of us might be like Onesimus today and we need that forgiveness and that transformation that can only come through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But perhaps today you're like Philemon. Someone has wronged you. Someone has hurt you. And you think... I'm going to make them pay for as long as I can. I'm gonna squeeze the last drop out of Lincoln's nose, they're gonna pay me back. Just like that unforgiving servant in Matthew 18. My friends, I'm telling you today, the only person that suffers in that is you. And ultimately, the cause of Christ and the testimony of Christ is hindered. Philemon was being challenged here that the gospel not just be something in his head. Oh, man, do we know the gospel in in the Bible Belt of the South? Amen, preacher. We know the gospel, don't we? We can tell it backwards and forwards and sideways and up and down. But you know what? This is when it gets real, when someone has genuinely hurt you and wronged you. And now we have a chance to have the gospel be something that moves from the head to the heart, to the hands, to the feet, to every part of our being. So many of us are like Philemon. Who are you today in this story? You see, the gospel is intensely personal. That's what we learn here in this story. The gospel isn't just something that's in theory on a Sunday morning. The gospel mends relationships, transforms relationships. The gospel is intensely personal. The other lesson, of course, is if we have truly been forgiven, and reconciled to God by Jesus Christ, then we will seek to forgive and be reconciled to those who have sinned against us. Philemon 19 once again says this I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. I will repay this debt, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Another prison epistle of Paul's Ephesians 4 verse 32 says it best in this way it says be kind one to another tender-hearted forgiving one another and here's the basis of our forgiveness even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you and so this is the foundation it's the focus now You might have some questions. I have a lot of questions for God when I get to heaven about this story. Again, how did Onesimus run into Paul there in Rome? What was the occasion of the connection? I would love to ask Onesimus one day, what was the look on your face as you were walking back into the house of Philemon with the letter from Paul in your hand? Don't you think Onesimus was a literal, uh, a, a, a tad fearful? I have a lot of questions. Here's one of the biggest questions I have What happened to Onesimus, and did Philemon end up obeying the gospel? Responding in love, forgiving and reconciling. I believe the evidence, although it's circumstantial, is that he did, or else the book wouldn't be here for us today. But also, if you read the early church fathers' writings, Eusebius specifically, from the first century, he says that one of the pastors of the church of Colossae, about 50 years later after this story, was a guy by the name of Onesimus. Now, Onesimus was a common name for slaves in that time. But I'm just gonna guess that Philemon forgave, he was reconciled, Onesimus continued to be discipled, and 50 years later, Eusebius writes about the pastor at the church of Colossae, a runaway slave, who is now a forgiven and reconciled son of the living God. And who now had a brother, because Paul was willing to put his relational account on the line and write this story confronting Philemon, saying, Philemon, receive Onesimus back as a brother. Will you forgive? Will you be reconciled? Let's pray.